Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour, and they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. Greetings and welcome into College Golf Talk, Episode 4. Steve Burkowski, Brentley Romine with you with our latest edition. And I think the spring now, we're in the far left lane on I-4. The foot's on the gas, if you can go that quick, and and you're just zipping down the highway. It's going to come fast and furious over the course of the next three months leading into the postseason. I call it go time, and that's exactly what we're seeing, Brentley. And as we continue to do this on a more regular basis leading up to the NCAA championships, how do you look at the spring? Because seemingly every week, Every uh, 10 days, two weeks, there's another big tournament on tap. What are some of the things you sort of keep a mind, you know, your eyes on and your mind focused around when you look at this part of the season? Yeah, so, I mean, as you said, there are a ton of events. It seems like every week there is a regional or NCAA caliber field uh, to keep an eye on, or two, um, as in the case of, of next month. But it's just all about seeing which teams – who we thought they were at the, you know, thought they were contenders at the beginning of the season going into the fall and just seeing which of those teams are who we thought they were right now. The past decade or so, it seems like Texas has always been one of those teams that really gets hot, wins three or four in a row. Oklahoma State, those great teams that we saw the past few years have gotten super hot in the spring where they've rattled off five, six, seven straight wins. So it's just all about just looking at the contenders that we had and checking them off and seeing which ones are still on that list and which ones aren't. And the spring is also a time where you really start to see the freshmen, especially these heralded guys that may have not gotten off to great starts in the fall. You really start to see them acclimate in their second semesters and get really, really good, like a Travis Vick from Texas or a William Moff from Pepperdine, those type of those type of guys. And it always intrigues me each and every year that there'll be a team or two we're not looking at in the middle of February, maybe ranked 18th or 25th or 32nd. Like Stanford last there year. There you go. Stanford wins their final four events of last season uh, and capped it off with the national championship. So very intriguing to sort of watch those storylines develop. But before we move ahead, let's look back to the Northrop Grumman. We'll start with the ladies in California, arguably the strongest regular season event you're going to see all season long. There were a lot of question marks about the defending national champs from Duke. No more. They didn't have their best player in Jarvi Boonchant. They win by seven shots, set the tournament record by nine, and oh, by the way, it was the 137th career win 
for head coach Dan Brooks. What do you what do you think about the Blue Devils now? Well, I think uh, we got to start. You know, we we have a little bit of an, an argument of which you know who's the best coach all time at Duke, Coach K or or Coach Brooks. Oh, that, that's a whole nother podcast. <laughs> um, impressive though, considering the strength of the field, the challenge that is that golf course in Palos Verdes, California. For Duke, with again, without Boone Chant, who wasn't in the lineup, was going to play in the Asia Pacific Amateur, which got canceled due to the health concerns around the world. What kind of statement did they just make? Yeah, it, you you mentioned not having Jeremy. A lot of people will look at this field and and ask, well, what other teams were missing girls who were going to play in that event? And really, the only team was Arizona, who we saw finish T13 out of 16 teams, and they were without their three best players. So that's the only other team that was really without one of their their studs. So th- this was a huge win for Duke. I don't think, I mean, they, they were ranked 12th after the fall, so it's not like people were sounding the the panic alarms for for the Blue Devils but they didn't win uh certainly there were some question marks surrounding that team but to come out and uh on a Bellic finish T5 and and really uh redshirt junior uh Miranda Wang posting her best college finish this is a a girl who battled knee injuries for much of the early part of her college career and to see her finally start to round into form and be a, a cons- consistent player for this team because you lose Virginia Carter from last year. You need kind of, you know, another person to step up, and she showed that she could be that person. They shot 273, 11 under par in the second round, a big reason why they were able to win Southern Cal, Texas, UCLA, Arizona State, rounding out that top five. Um Dan Brooks has been around for a long, long time. He understands what it takes for a team to be gel, you know, get a little more cohesive. And and for those not aware, Dan Brooks has six, maybe seven players on his team year in and year out. It's very what, small what they have is what they get. And I think that's an opportunity, again, with Boone Chant not in the lineup, for someone else to step up and say, you know what, you can count on me if if needed. The rest of the year. Yeah, because arguably Erica Shepard, their heralded freshman coming in, she's been the second best freshman on that team so far. So this, I mean, granted she played as the number two player, but with, with Boonchant back, there's a chance that she might miss out on a couple events. So she she really needs to step her game up, I think. Uh, Megan Furtney tied for 12th uh, this past week. She showed uh, you know some promise, but Erica Shepard's someone that in order for Duke to get back to where they were last year and have a chance to repeat, Erica Shepard's going to need to play better. 1,153 wins for Coach K. So you can't really compare college golf and college basketball, but two fewer, of the best. Fewer tournaments. Exactly. Yeah, fewer, fewer games. Uh, give me a surprise from that field before we move on, good or bad. I was curious to see what maybe what Kent State would do considering their season. Finish sixth, a, a good solid showing, but uh, throw someone else at me that uh, either thumbs up or thumbs down for you. Yeah, Kent, Kent State sixth is about where I think they stack up in terms of this field because you talk about Duke, USC, Texas, and ASU, who I think are the clear number four, you know, the clear top four teams now Now that Stanford um, – you know, has has lost their two best players, but I would say probably surprising UCLA, um, a very very young team. Uh, their freshmen continue to get better. Emma Spitz tied for seventh. Uh, Emily Paltrin- Paltrinieri, uh, 
think she finished, uh, hold on, I, I lost it here, but uh, solo fourth. So I talk about freshmen getting better in the spring. When you have a lot more freshmen, there's a lot more potential to get better. So UC, UCLA is a team right now, they're just inside the top 20. Um, definitely a very solid finish, a very strong finish to build off of. And, you know, I, I look for the Bruins to, to get back to where we saw them a couple years ago. Wake Forest, eighth. I expected a little more from the Demon Deacons. Again, still early in the spring part of the season. And congratulations to Auburn's Kaylee Telfer. She wins individually, so a good start for a handful of the best squads on the women's side in the country. Now let's segue over to the men out in Hawaii, the – um, uh, Mara Ari at Waikoloa, right? Did I get that right? <laughs> it's a mouthful, right? Yeah. If you didn't believe in the Pepperdine waves before, you better do it now. 270 in the final round, 18 under. We always know each and every year, low scores there. They're down 12 that final day. Final hole heroics. A couple eagles on the last. William Mao shoots 64, co medalist. How good is Pepperdine right now? Really, really good. And you mentioned William Mao. He drained a 25-footer for Eagle on that last hole. And this is a kid who we talked about on the last podcast where he didn't even make the starting lineup for their opener at North Ranch. And, again, this just further his first college win. This is just the beginning of of many more uh, wins, I believe, for him. I think now he's clearly the front runner for freshman of the year. Sahith Thagala, T6, another strong finish. And that included, you know, a double on a 17th hole, a couple bogeys on the back nine. So he, he could have challenged for another individual victory as well. But again, we, we talk about depth with this team. They didn't even travel Joshua McCarthy, their senior, sophomore Joe, Joe Highsmith, two players that have, I believe, in the fall played every single event and for the past couple of years have been a huge part of this team. They didn't even travel. They didn't even make the sixth spot as the individual. So again, Michael Beard continues to have a bunch of pieces. Now, there's an argument, is too much depth a bad thing? I mean, Burko, with your experience being around forever, as you know, it, <laughs> it, it could be a great thing. But when we start getting into these later events and trying to figure out who you're going to bring to conference, who you're going to bring to regionals, and if you get to the NCAA championship, that you know that's a problem that I think a lot of coaches would love to have. But at the same time, it's kind of a curse as well you read my mind and yes I'm old I've been around longer than you covering this game you go back to USC the women heading into nationals a year ago they had a qualifier for the last spot I'm okay as you get closer to the postseason with depth maybe in that five six position you've rattled off the last two podcasts three four five quality players for head coach Michael Beard at Pepperdine in the lineup out of the lineup I think this could be a problem as the spring goes on. A good problem, as you said, coaches all around the country would love to go 8, 9, 10 deep. I think there has to come a point in time, middle of March, late March, early April, where you know who your five are and maybe the possibility for someone to play in. I don't think two months from now you want to go 8, 9, 10 deep because yeah. you're, only, you're only bringing five. To be fair, also, I, I think he has his top two guys solidified. I don't think the Gala, I don't think Mao are going to miss another tournament. Um, but yeah, I mean, four four and, and, and five, Dylan Minante, Derek Hitchner, Clay Fagler, Highsmith, McCarthy. I mean, there's there's a lot of 
you know, RJ Mankey, who we haven't even brought up. So, yeah, it's going to be those qualifiers, uh, you know, over there in California are going to be pretty, pretty brutal. Good problem to have. We'll see how that develops throughout the course of the spring for the Pepperdine Waves, rounding out the top five in Hawaii, Texas, Arizona State, Oklahoma State, Georgia Tech. We said it a couple weeks ago. I want to see how the Cowboys from OSU progress. I think this is another big step forward for Alan Bratton. Again, consider the fact Matthew Wolf left early, Victor Hovland left early. In the fall, I was very curious to see what they could do. And I remember what Alan Bratton told me at Eastlake. A lot of newcomers, a lot of fresh faces, but he said everyone in the country tried to get these kids. They're good. Just give them time. Uh, how impressed are you that they were able to get out there and throw their, uh, you know, name into the, into the hat there, hat into the ring, and and try to figure out a way to win? I mean, I think that for them to finish fourth, they'll be disappointed. I think that is an enormous step in the right direction for Oklahoma State. Yeah, and four shots back of Pepperdine too, so it's not like they were fourth and twenty shots back. And more impressively, they did it with Austin Ekro tying for 28th. And I, I remember Who you I, said I remember has got to step up. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I, I think ekro has got to be top 10 every week for them to contend and, and win tournaments. But Amon Gupta, T3, Ferdinand Muller, who I believe is a, a senior now, if not a redshirt junior, so he's been around a while just kind of biding his time. Um, T10 for him. So Rahan Thomas didn't even make an individual spot so that you know me saying that he needs to step up that obviously they showed they can can do it without him but yeah I mean fourth I don't think they're going to be disappointed at all because they ended the fall 55th or 56th in the rankings now they're almost inside the top 30 so this is a team that as we talk about young players getting better this is another one of those teams that I could see getting into that top 25 top 20 by you know by conference championship time couple of the headliners for the women and men in California and Hawaii. And then just a couple weeks from now, March 1st, 2nd, and 3rd, two big ones on the men's side. And let's start in Vegas, the Southern Highlands Collegiate, a staple of the spring. They, they for years, were the very best tournament in the regular season, in my opinion. There was a little bit of a drop-off for three, four, five years I think due in large part that they went from a Friday, Saturday, Sunday to Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. I remember some coaches saying, we just can't miss that much school. Mm -hmm. You know, they are student athletes, but I feel like it's trending back in the right direction. Some teams that will be teeing it up, Oklahoma, Texas, Texas Tech, Georgia Tech, Pepperdine, to name a few. Who do you think needs a big week and a big showing at what is a demanding golf course? Long rounds. I've been out there many years. You're, you're nearing six-hour rounds. This was part of the PGA t- uh, Tour rotation for the Shriners back in the day. Who's got to step up in Vegas in a couple weeks to uh, get going in the right direction? Yeah, g- great golf course. Five of the top ten teams in the country right now. Pepperdine's obviously playing Oklahoma, a team that is now ranked second, but they ended the fall ranked first. I would say if you're talking about a team that needs to step up, I think you got to continue to look at Texas and see what they did in Hawaii last week, finishing runner-up with Cole Hammer not having his best week. I think they need to continue to show that they can contend, and I think it would be huge for them to win because, yes, they won the East Lake Cup, but that was against three other teams. If they can win this week at Southern – or not this week, but coming up at Southern Highlands, I think it 
will be huge for this team's confidence, especially with how, how young they are. They only won once last year. Regionals at home made a great run at the NCAAs. And we know the talent is there for Texas, but are we expecting too much from the Cootie boys and Cole Hammer and Travis Vick? Why, why hasn't this translated into more success? I think it's just the fact that they've kind of been a little all over the place in terms in terms of their lineup. Now, Spencer Sussman played as an individual again. I don't think that him being in the lineup or not necessarily will affect their chances. I think some of the bigger issues were Cole Hammer being kind of worn out from Walker Cup in the summer of you know high level amateur golf. Pearson Cootie was battling a, a shoulder injury. Travis Vick is in his first semester of college. Um, so it's just a matter of getting these guys healthy, getting them rested, getting them acclimated to to college life, and I think now they're they're ready to go. I mean, Christopher Bring is a is a guy who almost no one talks about, and he can end up playing a huge role for this team down the stretch. So Travis Vick was T10 in Hawaii. Pearson Cootie was was fifth. Cole Hammer opened with 66. He went low, and then he struggled yeah, and, on day and two. T56. So. For them to finish second, a shot, two shots behind Pepperdine, for as good as we've, you know, hyped them up to be, you know, for them to do that with Cole not playing well, I think it's a huge sign. But they need need to continue to show in Vegas against another elite field that they can continue to do that. What's your take on Georgia Tech? They've had some lean years the past few seasons, seemingly always in the mix as one of the best teams in the country. And it's still baffling to me. One of the numbers that stands out in all of college golf, the Yellow Jackets from Georgia Tech have never won a national championship. For all the great players and success they have had for decades, how likely is Bruce Hepler's team to end that streak this year? A Greyhawk. Yeah, it's just what what Georgia Tech team are we going to see? You know, we we see them look so great, almost unbeatable at times in these past few years. But then they go to regionals as a number one seed twice and and can't can't get through this this fall. I mean, this past fall they they won their first two events and then they finished tenth, I believe it was at their home at event. home. Yeah. So it's just a matter of what Georgia Tech team are we going to get? I think the potential is there that they can absolutely win it all because. If you look at, you know, most of most of the teams, they've had stud players and they've had experience. And this is a team with with three seniors and a junior and Noah Norton, who might as well be a senior because he's played almost every event, I believe, for for them in you know two and a half seasons now. But Andy Mao is a freshman who didn't play in Hawaii, but I look for him to probably be that fifth guy. Connor Ho was their fifth guy in Hawaii, and he tied for seventieth. So. Just a matter of finding that fifth guy. Andy Ogletree finally looked like the player that we saw at Pinehurst, T3. So I'm not worried about this team. I I think they just need to get over that hurdle. It's kind of like professional sports teams that kind of have had trouble getting out of like the first round, like the Tampa Bay Lightning last year in the the NHL. As, As long as they get past the first round this year, and as long as Georgia Tech can get (laughs) <laughs> past regionals and maybe play well that first day NCAA is get themselves into position I think that's going to be a huge hurdle that they can clear and after that it I mean if, if this team gets into match play they're going to be really dangerous 
A lot happens between now and then. A great one on tap in Vegas. Another good one in Cabo simultaneously uh, being played there. The Carencia Collegiate and pretty stout field there. A couple of the top 10 teams in the country. Vanderbilt also there. And you had a chance to catch up with their head coach, Scott Limbaugh, who finally recalls his time as an assistant coach at Alabama under head coach Jay Sewell. I'm joined by one of the most energetic and passionate college golf coaches in the country, Vanderbilt Scott Limbaugh. Scott, you arrived in Nashville prior to the 2012-13 season and have coached your team to the NCAA championship in each of the past seven seasons. Pretty impressive stuff. How, how were you able to turn this program around so quickly and then, secondly, sustain that level of, of excellence? It seems like you guys are always in match play. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, first of all, it's hard to believe I've um, in my eighth season at Vanderbilt. Um, but um, I think you like to give a lot of credit to our, our university and our supporters, first and foremost. They're the ones that had a vision for what they hoped Vanderbilt golf could become. And um, so just really thankful for the commitment level they've had. And then, you know, I, I look back often just at uh, the first uh, group that was there when I arrived and uh, just – there, um, there was some good leadership there, and uh, some young people that they 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 wanted some structure and some um, and some direction, and those guys just really uh, bought into you know helping to kind of start something, and uh, and and you know just I don't know just some guys in that in that particular group that just helped us start this. So it, it's been a really fun ride. Do you almost wish Hunter Stewart could have applied for a permanent? exemption from the NCAA to play college golf forever (laughs) he was uh you know I had known Hunter a little bit before I got the job there and just um kind of from day one uh, I sat down and told him what we hoped to be about and uh what we hoped our standards would be and he just he really loved it and and relished in that and and he was he, he he really brought a lot of joy to our program and and to me personally and still does now before you arrived at Vanderbilt you obviously served as the assistant under Jay Sewell at Alabama what was the biggest piece of advice or what was the biggest thing that you learned coaching under Sewell, who's had so much success? Well, I mean, there, there wouldn't be a place to just narrow it down to one. Um, you know, I think a lot of the things that I think back to coach and I, um, were, were we, we had a lot of fun together and, uh, I, you know, you introduced me as energetic and passionate, and um, and I think both of us uh, enter in that realm of, uh, and so we had some great times, and I think a lot of the things he taught me, uh, as much as we learned about golf and coaching, were just you know, coach from your heart, and don't don't try to don't try to be anybody that you're not, and and also just from a personal level, just how much Jay valued his family, and uh, how much he uh, valued and and. And, and cultivated his family being part of the Alabama golf family was just something that I've really um, um, wanted to, to make a part of, of, of our Vanderbilt golf family now. So, and on top of that, um, Jay's wife, Stephanie introduced myself to, uh, to my wife, Kate on a blind date. So oh. yeah, there's, a, there's always a, uh, a little something special there. What, uh, give us the quick rundown of the blind date. Where is it at? And Oh, it, the blind date wasn't actually anything spectacular. Just um, uh, just went to a restaurant there in Tuscaloosa, Cypress Inn, and uh, we kind of look back on it and laugh now that uh, 
I, uh, I, I felt like, you know, the dinner, uh, went fine and, and I hadn't messed anything up per se for a little while. And, and, and so Kate always kind of laughs and said, you know, we just kind of ran and got Chick-fil-A milkshake. And then I took her right home and it was like, Hey, see you. Like, because I, I, I knew it had gone okay. And I was like, this thing, we keep going and I could mess this thing up. And I was like, kind of like her, you know, so let, let's try to go ahead and get to the finish line before I mess this up. I'm glad you brought up milkshake. Cause I was going <laughs> to mention at what part in the date did you order the milkshake? That's the best advice that Seawall probably gives anybody is celebrate with a milkshake, right? That boy loves a milkshake now. What's your order? What's your milkshake order? Uh, I'm, I'm just a chocolate or a chocolate with a little peanut butter in there uh, is, is, is the way I'm going to go. I'm never going to go way off here. I just like to keep it pretty simple. Just give me a chocolate milkshake. No kale or anything? I mean, I would have a kale smoothie, but if I'm going milkshake, I'm not trying to be healthy. I'm, I'm going to go ahead and get in there, you know, with, you know, ice cream and chocolate syrup and let's go. Do you remember Justin Thomas's milkshake order? Or do you no, just, do I you don't. Just remember his his game. I, I remember his game, and and uh, I remember uh, I, I remember quite a few stories about the year that I coached him. But he tells some pretty fun funny ones. And um, but um, one time he forgot his um, uh, umbrella at I don't even know what tournament we were at, and um, and he. Um, I, I didn't forget about him forgetting that umbrella and giving him mine, you know. And so I got wet, and young superstar there was staying dry the whole tournament. And uh, but after that, he I think he kind of thought that I had forgotten about it. Well, after that next workout, and he won the tournament naturally. But uh, that next workout, I said, and oh by the way, Justin, won't you hop back on the line for a little bit, you know? And so when he won his first tour event, um, didn't he win the Myco? Was that the first one he won? Anyway, he sent me a flag, Malaysia. And, yeah, Malaysia, and 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 said like. Like Coach Limbaugh, you know, congrats on all the success. Appreciate all you've done for me. I'll never forget an umbrella again. Just to, you know, it's one of those moments. But there, we had we had quite a few of them in that year. So I mean, is, is Justin is Justin Thomas is he still the best college freshman you've ever seen? Yeah, he was. And you know, one thing that his competitive character was something that I hadn't seen in golf till that time like you know just the way you know I remember the very first qualifier that year that he arrived and coach Sewell and I just you know just you kind of sweat out some of these qualifiers like what if what if Justin doesn't qualify well I just remember like somewhere we probably playing like six rounds it was a long qualifier about third round he, he shoots like 62 and ends up winning by about eight and just one of those little subtle messages that by the way boys there's a new sheriff in town. You know, we had a lot of talent on that team. I mean, we we, we had some good players, Hunter Amrick and Corey and Bobby and Tra- I mean, we had some really good players. And but uh, he he started then sending messages and he he didn't really stop and still hasn't. Do you see a little bit of a little bit of John Augustine and Justin Thomas? I know they're Justin's been kind of a mentor. They're both Kentucky boys. Uh, is there a common thread that they both? contain i think that's really fair uh brentley i really do that there is a certain um there's a certain will to win uh with both of those guys and and certainly john hasn't won yet at the uh at the level that that justin did um during his two years in college but um he's he's doing a good job he's he's maturing a lot and, and he's certainly knocking at the door now i know you like to have close teams it's all about chemistry mm-hmm. uh camaraderie a few years back, you, you guys went and built a house for Habitat for Humanity. Mm-hmm. The next year, you, you know, you wisened up a little bit and had them move you into a new home. Right. Has there been any uh, any good team bonding moments these last couple of years that uh, 
Yeah, there, there's always moments. Uh, you know, uh, last year we did some stuff over at the Ronald McDonald House of Nashville um, for the uh, the kids that were sick and, and in that home. And, um, you know, we're going to do some things the next couple of months that, you know, I, I, I just – um, I've been given a lot by this game, a uh, little, little boy from Chillsburg, Alabama. Um, and I'm very um, passionate as well about our kids being thankful for those, those moments and understanding that we're very, very, very fortunate to get to do what we do every day. And it's good to see maybe uh, some other sides of life. And so um, um, we'll, we'll be doing some things uh, over the next couple of months, just hopefully, you know, just trying to give back a little bit. How would you describe your coaching style? Um, my coaching style, um, I would say that, um, um, I, I look at myself just as a coach, uh, in terms of, you know, what, what are we thinking about every single day that helps contribute to Vanderbilt golf, helps myself contribute to everything that is the Vanderbilt community. And, um, and, and I think that's, we want to get enough of those guys in our program. It's not just how do I contribute to myself every single day? And so I, I, I would consider myself a team coach, that, that everything, the way that I think is about our team becoming the very best team we can become. Now, you and your personal skill sets and your personal snipers and all of that, yes, we've got to grow those and help get the ones that aren't as strong better and, and all of that. But it's just it's about, you know, contributing, uh, how, you know, instead of just always thinking about me, me, me and get this from me. And, let, and I, I want our guys over time to think about how does what I do contribute to Vanderbilt golf and my teammates. And uh, and that that's that's and that's a little different, I guess. Um, I don't know that it is, but um, it's 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 certainly the style that we've chosen to try to implement into Vanderbilt golf and the way our kids think. Now, if you didn't coach golf, what sport would you coach? Wow, that's tough. I would, um, yeah, I think I'd coach football. I, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty passionate about uh, watching football. I, I'm not, I don't know really anything about it other than watching the game and loving it, but I could, I could see myself um, loving I had an uncle, my uncle, uh, Tommy Limbaugh, who's played a great role in my life, was a college football coach for a long time. At a, so I grew up kind of seeing his lifestyle, whether he was at Kentucky or Alabama or Duke uh, and Ole Miss. He coached a bunch of different plays, you know, just college football coach. And so I wouldn't, I, I wouldn't want that lifestyle necessarily at all, but I, I would like to – I think it would be fun to kind of be a part of that. Don't your daughters play basketball? Yeah, Do they you coach uh, them or no, I, I don't. I, I mean, I'm I've my wife does. Kate played college basketball, and so she's uh, she's uh, my, my my Mally, my oldest, just finished. Uh, softball our first run at softball so much fun to watch her do that and uh, then my youngest Annie uh is, does basketball and gymnastics and then my little boy Thomas is um um he's just all into whatever sports in season so that's what he thinks the four seasons are is baseball football golf season and he hadn't figured out what that other one is yet but that's where that's what he's into wasn't their basketball team pretty good yeah, they, 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 they were the Lakers or someone. Yeah, they, the Lake Show. They beat yeah. everybody. <laughs> they had, they've had. We, we, we had the Grizzlies a couple of years ago. Lakers last year, and uh, uh, it, it, I just, I don't know. I get the biggest kick out of watching those. Uh, it's one, one of my little girls plays on a uh, boys and girls, and then Mally's gotten old enough for their basketball teams, just all girls, and it's, it's fun to watch. I love it. Which player on your team would have the toughest time on, on your golf team? Uh -huh. Would have the toughest time cracking the starting lineup on that on that basketball team? 
on the current golf team that we have here, who who would have the hardest time cracking a, a lineup on a basketball team? On, on your daughter's basketball team. On my team. daughter's <laughs> basketball team. Um, I don't know what we – at the Nike, they did this little basketball night over there, so I saw some really good things from William Mall. He's, he's got some game, and I, I like that about him. He's uh, he, can, he can shoot the three a little bit, and John would certainly have a role as gritty as he is, so we, we'd get him a spot in there. I, and, and I think Harrison's got – so I guess it would be kind of between Reed, Davenport, and Michael Shears. We'd have to kind of – figure out which one of you know which one of them might not be able to slide in there i don't know we'll see they just gotta find out which one of them plays the best defense dead gum right i need somebody that can box out rebound you know play a little defense get between their man and the goal so talk a little bit more about augie you know what what you saw out of him this summer because you know it's no secret he didn't have the best start to the summer there was a period of time where his spot on the Walker Walker Cup team was pretty much in doubt. He, sure. And then he had to go earn it at the USAM. Mm-hmm. And, of course, at Royal Liverpool, earns the clinching point. So kind of talk about what you saw from him at the start of the summer and how he transformed into being a Walker Cup star. First off, I'm I'm fortunate to get to coach John because he believes in me, and you don't you don't get a lot of kids throughout your career that really believe in what you stand for, and so I am just I'm thankful for that opportunity. He he had a, yeah he had some low moments this summer, and uh, he came down to Nashville after the players, and uh, we just talked a lot and uh, and just spent some really quality time, and 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 I think it what it's done to him is show him that. It doesn't matter how, how, but however long you do this game, it's just like life. It's going to be up and it's going to be down, and um, um, and, and then you know for him to show the kind of character it took to 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 you know and toughness i mean he, the way he went about preparing for pinehurst and he just really had a good attitude about it. although he had kind of missed the cut at the western missed the cut at the players um i can't remember what he did up at the northeast but anyway to to be able to go there do what he did earn his way onto the walker cup and then since he's gotten back from that walker cup He's truly been a different young person, and I think if you watch him this week, you will see that. Um, there's, you know, there's a, there's more security in how he's going about himself, um, and um, he's just a really special uh, young person. That, and I, you know, I'm just fortunate that he he cares so much about um, our our program. He's not. He's not worried about looking forward to what's next. We all know what's out there in April, and he's really just immersed in, in our team deal right now. And and that's pretty cool to see in the climate that we're in now. So much social media, everything makes you want to look forward, look, let's see what you know. And he's just he's right here with us, and it's uh it's been a real uh, it's been a real blessing. It's funny to see how far he's come from Marta's camp at the thir- 2013 U.S. Junior where. Yeah, he couldn't have been more than 100 pounds so right. wet, and he beat Sam Horsfield and Jim Liu, and yep. I mean, it's just crazy to yep. see how much he's grown, but you you mentioned him getting ready to make that jump next summer. What about his game and his personality translates so well? Because you've coached guys that have gone on to have success. What about What about John's game or his personality leads you to believe that he'll be a pretty good pro? The number one thing I think about him is he is never satisfied. Um, he, he's never letting his guard down um, because he's been to the other side and he knows what that looks like. So generally, guys that, you know, you know, kind of had a low point like he had through the summer, like he's very thankful for where he is right now in his journey. And so I think, first of all, that helps him keep his feet 
where they need to be. And then um, if, if I had to pick out anything with his game, it would just be his short game. Um, he wedges it and chips it at, a, at, at as high of a level as any young person I've ever been around. And so as long as you can chip the way he can chip and wedge it the way he can wedge it, and he's, he's a really good ball striker, I mean, he's got – I think the sky's the limit for him. There's, you know, we're hoping he takes a few more uh, steps towards hopefully, you know, being one of the best players in college golf this year. And, um, but he's, 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 he's doing a much better job of taking ownership of his schedule and just different things he's doing right now that I haven't seen before like he's kind of he's all the way over there saying I'm all in on putting everything I can into this this senior year to take the right kind of step so I'm as prepared as I can be when 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 you know the next you know when I turn professional what percentage of his everyday routine is he flash and what percentage is he just John <laughs> well there there's always some flash now <laughs> don't think for a second he doesn't plan out the shoe wear the, the the hoodie wear the hat wear you've never seen anything like it now I mean he his brother knows I mean he, he's rocking a new pair of shoes every week from Jordans to Air Force Ones it just whatever's in I mean he is flash so um but um but he right now he he is enjoying his role with a young team like we have he's really enjoying um um, that that role that he's got right now, so it's pretty cool to see. Has he ever had to get back off the bus because he didn't bring the right color Jordans? Or no, but he's had to get right back off the bus because he hadn't shaved before. I can tell you that <laughs> it didn't have anything to do with Jordans. Well, I, I, I haven't I haven't shaved. We well, that's have all right. You, early, you, right. You're, you're not playing for Vanderbilt golf. That's probably earlier. a good thing. No, that's right. I so. did break eighty for the first time a couple oh, of years wow. ago. Congratulations, Brentley. Yeah. That's awesome. So brother. there's probably you a, are climbing about five percent scholarship left for me up in Nashville. Maybe. Maybe, yeah. So, if if you could change, this is kind of an off the wall question. Okay. But if if you could change one thing about college golf to make it better, what would it be? One thing about college golf to make it better, you know what? Um, some, you know, I'm wondering a little bit is the 500 rule the best thing for what we're trying to do? I I, I don't know that I know. I, I really don't. But um, I just look sometimes at how we think about scheduling and what we're trying to do, and and I I wonder has it accomplished what what it was set out to accomplish? And in full transparency, I don't even know what that was since I've been a head coach. I've just known of the 500 rule. And, uh, and so I, I think it would be something worthy of just discussing. Um, um, and, and just, you know, is it given our, our student athletes all the best opportunities we'd like to give them to be, become the best players and, uh, that they can become? I think that's one thing that I, I, I might, if I was president for the day, I don't know, I'd think about maybe talking about it at least. Yeah, you know, a lot of times, especially with guys turning pro and sometimes you don't know when they're going to turn, uh, a lot of times it could be dangerous to schedule the, the toughest schedule. You know, that's kind of what you what you teach people is to challenge yourself every day. But sometimes you got to sit back as a coach and correct me if I'm wrong, because if your team's not if there's questions, you don't sure. want to schedule a tough schedule. And yeah finish below 500 yeah exactly and then you also don't want to under schedule and and then you know have a team that wanted to be playing in this this and this but then you thought i needed to go that way or like for example you know this fall we go without john to the carmel cup and not only was it you know do you miss his golf scores uh, and that was an opportunity he created for himself and that's awesome we always want that to happen but you know you, you kind of get behind the eight ball early because you don't you don't necessarily plan on somebody being at the walker cup you know what i mean um and so just just little things 
things like that, I think, or, or is something that I think would be worthy of kind of looking into. Yeah, it, it's certainly improved schedules for the mid-majors. It's given them more opportunities. But another thing to look at is this past season, we had two teams, SMU and Iowa, have pretty bizarre disqualifications. Right. And it threw out the entire rankings out of whack. So my biggest issue with the 500 rule is right along those lines. Yes. SMU played – at Stanford's event, the good one, which had 25 teams Lost in Lost to 24 of them. And not only did that affect them, it affected everyone that they've ever played that entire well, year. And then they end up being at our regional as a, what, 11? Were they an 11 seed? I mean, and they're, they ended up to making the final eight. You know what I'm saying, Brent? So somewhere, like, that's, that's not good. I, I don't see how in any other sport that makes any sense. You know that 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 could possibly happen, and uh, or uh, another thing I thought about is like you know within you know possibly the way the people that decide where we're going there could there could be a sense of you know if if a team's hot going into that NCAA uh, basketball tournament well they're going to get a higher seed because of who they are and who they've become, and um, and so I don't know uh, I, I think Alabama had a year like that a few years ago where they didn't have somebody maybe as much in the fall and then had them in the spring you know, or maybe vice versa. I can't remember, but um, they were a much better team than they were ranked. You know what I mean? That, and, that would require a, a little bit of a revamping of the committee because I think right now they just, they just go fairly based just, sure. on, just on rankings. But I, I do agree with you on that. Another idea I had to improve college golf was to add more match play. Uh-huh. You know, add, I saw your article yeah, on that, yeah. Before, who's your guy's biggest rival in, in baseball? That would probably be your guy's best sport, right? Yeah, baseball. Yeah, I mean, well, we have the best baseball program in the country, so yeah, it would be the best, our best sport. Yeah, those, boy, those boys get it done every. They feel like they're in Omaha every single year. So would it be Vanderbilt and LSU? Would that be the big rivalry? You know game? what? I'd have to ask those guys maybe who their biggest rivalry is, but yeah, it may be it may be LSU or or um, maybe Mississippi State or somebody like that. I'm not sure. Hypothetically speaking, though, how cool would it be that Saturday morning before that third game of the series against LSU to you know, have, have a little match have, play. Have Winstead's boys come yeah. up to Nashville for a little yep. match play. Maybe get, uh, you know, maybe get John Peterson and Matias Schwab to play a, a match, play the sixth match there. You know, yeah, get some excitement it's a great idea. Yeah. Maybe not John Peterson. He is retired, but <laughs> good point. You know what I mean. Good point. Yeah. Um, I think it's a great idea. You know, at one time, um, uh, Coach Hack and I had talked about um, one time when they were coming uh, to play a football game, kind of maybe the day before, uh, doing something like that, and, and maybe almost using it both as a fundraiser as well, bringing in Sneds, and he brings in, you know, maybe you know whoever, all the guys they got on Patrick tour. Reed. Yeah, <laughs> probably not, but um, but you know whoever Brian Harmon or, or Harris or somebody like that. But anyway, you, you get the idea. I think it'd be really neat. Yeah. Well, if we keep thinking about. Of ideas, it's going to change the sport, Scott. That's right. Yeah, we better be careful. That's right. Well, uh, thanks for coming on. Uh, a lot of good stories, a lot of good uh, insight and perspective, and good luck throughout the rest of the year, and we'll hope to uh, see you at Greyhawk. Sounds good. Thank you. Rest assured, Justin Thomas will never forget an umbrella again. Jimmy Johnson obviously on the bag for him on the PGA Tour, so I can assure you that that umbrella will always be there. A nice lighthearted moment with Scott Limbaugh, the head coach at Vanderbilt. You and I have been around him for years. We know him quite well. How would you describe how he approaches every day in his life, both on and off the golf course? I think it's probably passionate because it's so cool seeing not only is is he 
a coach, a teacher, a mentor, but he's also a, a, a cheerleader. It, you know, when, when his players play well and have success, there's no one happier than, than Coach Limbaugh. It, it, it seems that they've been part of the NCAA match play for the past four or five years. They're always in it. And it's so fun to see after one of his guys wins a match or makes a big putt to see him fist pumping and, you know, just high-fiving his players, hugging them. And it's just a, a very refreshing. I mean, some people may call it, you know, a little overzealous, over the top, but... He cares. Yeah, to cares. me, it's so refreshing. And it it makes a a typically boring sport like golf, you know, where you're supposed to be quiet and, you know, kind of reserved. And it turns it into, you know, like every other college sport, you know, like college football or college basketball. And so he just exudes excitement and passion. And, you know, there's there's other coaches that, that do that as well. But he's, you know, a, a great example of what what I think is very effective these days in terms of being a college golf coach and, you know, coaching a successful team. You look at the time he spent with JT at Alabama just a year when he was the assistant. How much can that help him when dealing with John Augenstein, one of the nation's best, as he gets ready to wrap up his college career, knowing that you don't treat him differently, but you have to look at it differently with what John potentially can do down the road in pro golf? Yeah, John Augustine is, granted, he's not quite to the level that Justin Thomas was in college, because I think Justin Thomas arguably is probably the best college golfer in the past decade. Him and John Rahm, maybe Maverick McNeely, you throw that in. Um, but John Augustine is very good. Right now, he's the number one ranked player in golf stat. Had an amazing fall, three top tens, I believe. And very similar personality to Justin Thomas, a guy who has all the confidence in the world, um, doesn't think there's a shot that he can't hit. And they're both Kentucky boys. Justin Thomas is actually a mentor to John Augustine. Uh, Augie's been down to JT's house and has spent time with him in, in Jupiter. And, um, you know, they, they share the same, same golf coach. And so, Limbaugh's experience with JT, I think it's helpful because not only does he know kind of what buttons to push, I think he also has that respect from John because he's coached JT. So I think it kind of works works both ways. Vandy, part of that field in Cabo, some of the other teams to keep an eye on, Arizona, Arizona State, Baylor, Oklahoma State as well. At this point of the season, when you look at ASU, the Sun Devils, we've talked about it. They're going to host the NCAA championships at Greyhawk. I would have expected to see more from this group. I know we ran into Matt Thurman, the head coach at Isleworth. He wasn't worried about an indifferent fall. I want to see more, plain and simple. I want to see some wins. I want to see some results from what we believed was one of the best teams in the country three, four months ago when the fall started. Yeah, they're they're going to get a lot better. You're going to see this team start to you know gain momentum, and a lot of that's going to do with the player that they added during the winter break, uh, David Puig from Spain, who could be the next great Spanish golfer following John Rahm in, uh, in Tempe. Alejandro Canizares before your days. Exactly. NCAA champ as a freshman at Karsten Creek nearly two decades and, ago. And... I, I I call him David, but m- most of them call, are are calling him David. But anyways, he 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 enters this team as you know 
I think he's a top 20 or 30 player in the world amateur golf ranking, which is when John Rahm got to got to campus he wasn't anywhere near that you know he was in the two or three hundreds I believe so this is a kid who as of this point has more success and more accolades arriving on campus than John Rahm did so he's a player who has already played in the first two events of the spring has played very well Um, you add him to Kevin Yu who's one of the best players in college golf Cameron Sisk who I thought was going to be even more of a breakout star. He didn't even travel to, with the team to Hawaii. He kind of had got off to a slow start at the Southwestern, so he didn't make the lineup. I think he figures it out. And then you just you talk about pieces. Like, we're just talking about depth, and Arizona State is another team that, that does that. And for them, they just have to get to the NCAA championship because once they do that, they're going to be in their element. They're going to, you know, they're going to thrive. I think it'll it'll be a lock for them to get – get to match play they'll probably win a couple matches i i think we see them in the final whoa whoa middle of february you're already saying they're going to be battling for a national championship <laughs> on they're the, that good on a flip side the team that won it all a year ago stanford also going to be in mexico how likely are we to even see them make it to the ncaa championships considering what they lost from that title team i think we have to be careful because last year last year at this time we were they were in a very similar you know position and but they had Isaiah Salinda they had Brandon Wu Wu. Mm -hmm. that's it's a different dynamic and head coach Conrad Ray will find something potentially but I think Stanford's going to be one of those teams that quite honestly I'm not sure the talent level is there yeah we we always look at what a team did in the fall and kind of look at their rankings and say like, oh, well, this team had a great fall. This team had a bad fall. Stanford really didn't play much. And that's kind of their MO. They kind of really ramp it up in the spring. So right now they're them finishing, it was 15th out of 20 teams in Hawaii. They're now below 500. They were right around the 500 line um, last spring, were able to win the Western. And then it wasn't a problem after that. They won the Prestige, which is a 26 team event, something like that. So I, I think I, I agree with you. I, I don't think they're nearly as good as they were last year, and I do think it'll be a struggle for them to get into that top 30 at the end of the season. So, But, again, like stranger things have stranger happened. Stranger things have, have happened. Uh, Dalit Talabayev was an individual. I'm looking at their results in Hawaii. He didn't even make the lineup. So that kind of shows that there are some other guys on that team that could step up, uh, Ethan Ng, Freddie Lee. Freddie Lee was a guy who I thought was going to be a world beater for them when he was a junior golfer. He was, he kind of blossomed a little bit early out out of Australia. Um, I think he played well at Sage Valley one year, so he was kind of a guy that was entering college with a lot of accolades, and he hasn't done anything yet. But again, he's starting to crack the lineup and uh, show a little promise so maybe that changes one more name i'm gonna throw at you before we wrap it up florida state in the field we Mm -hmm. were both at the walker cup in september i think we both agreed john pack perhaps the mvp of that u.s team what do you think we're gonna see from him in the spring because i know i left royal liverpool thinking wow that this kid's got the combination of talent confidence and guts yeah the, the thing about john pack is he's not flashy in the sense that He's almost the antithesis. He's almost the complete opposite. He's the anti, anti Matt Wolf. You know, they're they're both great players, but he does it differently. He he doesn't hit it far at all. He's 
probably one of the shortest players in elite college golf. I think he's, you're probably looking at 270, 275 carry. Um, but he hits his long irons better than anybody in in the world as far as amateurs are concerned. He can really get hot with the putter. Sometimes he does struggle with putting, but he always seems to give himself birdie looks between five and 15 feet. Like it's just almost automatic. And he's coming off a season opening win or a spring opening win. This is sixth of his career. This is, he didn't play that much in the fall. He missed their first event. They played a match play event, a match play only event. So we didn't see much of John Pack, which is why he's not ranked highly right now. But once, once John Pack gets going, it almost doesn't matter what two through five are, are, are going to do for Florida State. Yeah, it would help like for them to be an elite team and be able to contend for a national title. They need other guys to step up. But even just with John Pack, he's going to carry them to the postseason. He's gonna, they're going to be in the mix because he's that good. And he's from New Jersey, so that makes him even better. <laughs> and, and he spends a lot of time down here in Orlando at, at Orange Tree. The, so. the synergy continues for John Pack. That's going to wrap up this edition of College Golf Talk. For Brentley, I'm Burko. Thanks so much for tuning in. And we're going to be back on March 4th in a couple of weeks. We'll recap Mexico, Vegas, as we continue the drive forward to the NCAA championships at Greyhawk in May. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.